Now, our Bible reading this morning comes from uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians uh, 15 uh, is verses 1 through to 11. And Stephen is going to come and read that for us today. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. What I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you do have your Bible there with you this morning, please do turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we continue our series about being down in the valley. Down in the valley. Sometimes that's what it's like to be a Kilmarnock supporter, but they won yesterday. That's what it's like to be an Air United supporter, isn't it? I see one of them here today as well. Really what we're speaking about is those times in our life when things are not really going very well and we're really, really struggling and when it feels like God isn't even there, where we're on the valley floor. Now, last week we thought about Psalm 42, um, which begins, as we've just sung, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And Psalm 42 really acted as an introduction for us. Because there are times in our life when we are spiritually down, in the valley. Times when God just doesn't seem to be there. But we thought last week about how the psalmist reminds himself of what God has done in the past and assures himself that that God is always there. No matter how he's feeling, God is always there. And the day will come again when he will praise God and he will rise up out of the valley. Now, last week what we were really thinking about were those kind of inexplicable times when when we we don't really know why it seems that God has deserted us, but, but it just happens. Some would call those times the the kind of dark night of the soul. Those inexplicable times when God seems not to be there and heaven is silent. Now we also touched on last week on the fact that sometimes when we're down in the valley away from God, actually we do know why we're down in the valley. 
because we know that it's because of our sin and our disobedience. But what we're going to think about over these next few weeks are are some of the things that can sometimes hold us down in the valley and possibly to try and think how we can break free for those things. Now, I ought to say, as I said last week, that when we think of being down in the valley, we think, oh, this is going to be a really depressing series, you know, we're down in the valley, just want to be in the mountaintop. But the fact is, we're all sometimes down in the valley, and we sometimes just need a bit of help and support as to how we can begin to rise up that mountain again and get to the mountaintop. And maybe we just need a reminder of a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who's gracious to us. Now, what we're going to look at today from 1 Corinthians 15 is the idea of regret. That's what we're going to think about today. If we're honest with ourselves, there are times in all our lives there are things which we regret, aren't there? Now, some of those things are are relatively small, aren't they? We we regret eating that cream cake because when we next get on the scales, we know that we'll have put on weight. What is it they say? Moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips. That's a small regret, isn't it? Then there are the kind of medium-sized regrets. Those times, perhaps, when we're, we're in a certain situation in our work, or in the midst of a, a difficult family situation where we know we ought to have said something. And it goes over in our mind that we regret that we didn't say something at that moment. Or maybe we did say something, but now we regret what we said. Or we wish we'd said it in a different way. And a medium-sized regret is perhaps one that we, that we play over in our mind which maybe gives us a a sleepless night or two, but after a while we we live with it or we resolve it, and and a couple of weeks later we've actually forgotten all about it. A medium-sized regret. But what I want to think about today are those regrets in our life which are big regrets. Those things that we wish had not happened. Those things that we wish we had not done. And in some sense, we we live with what we've done or what's happened each and every day. Big regrets. That's what I want to think about today. You see, it's those big regrets that can sometimes hold us down in the valley. Because with some of those big regrets, we think to ourselves that, that God could not possibly forgive us because of what we have done. Or that we are not worthy before God because of something we have done or or because of something that's happened in our past. Now, if that's you here this morning, this sermon is for you. But I also hope it will be for all of us because these kind of big regrets that that hold us down in the valley can, can, can happen at any time of life. And in a multitude of different ways. And I also want to say to you this morning that if this is you and you've got big regrets in your life, that you're also in the right place today. 
Sometimes we have the wrong impression and we give the world the impression that, that being in church and being part of the church means that you are respectable, that you have everything sorted in your life. Sometimes we can be guilty on a Sunday morning of turning up, nodding our head, saying everything's fine, when we know deep inside that we're withering away. Is that not true? You're in the right place. Because actually the church is for those who are struggling. For those who have a past. What did Jesus say? Jesus said he came for the sick, not the well. He came for the unrighteous, not for those who are righteous. So today you've basically come into the soul hospital. That's where you are. We're all broken people who need the grace of God. And so the church is not meant to be a place where we put on a front of respectability. It's where we support one another as broken people who Jesus has stuck back together and the sin-sick whom Jesus has healed. Now as we come to think about regret this morning, you might wonder how does all this relate to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, the first thing I ought to say is that this passage, 1 Corinthians 15 in Scripture, is a wonderful passage. Read the whole chapter when you go home. Be blown away by what it says about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for your own life. It is wonderful. Read it for your own encouragement. But what I want to think about today is what Paul says about himself. Because this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Because Paul tells the basics of the gospel in verses 3 to 7 in chapter uh, chapter 15. He tells the basics of the gospel because Paul says, he talks about how Jesus died for our sins, how Jesus was buried, and how Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. And he then goes on to say, after this has happened, That Jesus appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, to 500 others, then to James and the other apostles. And then what does he say? And last of all to me, Paul. Now, of course, if we know our Bible and we look at the book of Acts, the history of the early church, in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, we know that this is true. Because that's the story of Paul's conversion. Because in a vision on the Damascus road, Jesus appears in a vision to Paul. And Paul is converted. And he's called to ministry among the Gentiles. And so he is, if you like, the last apostle to be called. Or as Paul puts it here, he is abnormally born. Jesus appeared to him in a different way from the other apostles. For the other apostles, Jesus appeared in bodily form. Didn't appear that way to Paul. He appeared in a vision to to Paul. But what I want to focus on is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians verses 9 and 10. Because in these verses, Paul calls himself the least of the apostles. And then he says he doesn't even deserve to be an apostle. Now, As you read that this morning, you might be thinking, well, that's just false modesty. 
on the part of Paul, isn't it? But the reality is that Paul truly believes this. He truly believes he is the least of the apostles. He truly believes he doesn't deserve to be an apostle. Now, why is this? Well, it tells us in the passage. Because Paul persecuted the church. That's why. You see, before he was a Christian, before Paul was called by God and met with Jesus, what did he do? He went round trying to put Christians in prison. He was even in attendance when Stephen, a Christian, the first Christian martyr, was killed. And it tells us in that passage that Paul was there and he approved. He approved. Now, he is the very last person you would have thought that God would call. Indeed, when he was on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9, Paul is going to persecute the church. That's what's in his mind to do, to get rid of these Christians. But on that road, Jesus stops him in his tracks. He meets with him, reveals himself to him, and calls him. You see, what I want you to see this morning is that Paul wasn't perfect. He really had reason to to have regret. He had a past, and it wasn't pretty. But what did Paul do about that? Did he wallow in his past? Does he think that because of his past, he is unworthy to be a Christian, never mind an apostle? You see, I think it would have been easy for for Paul to, to be paralyzed by his past, filled with regret, and therefore to be down in the valley. But he isn't. And if you know in your Bible, and if you know your Bible, you know Paul isn't. Because what do you find in the the book of Acts? We find he goes in these amazing missionary journeys. He spreads the good news of the gospel. That he does miracles in Jesus' name. He's not down in the valley. Now the question is, how is Paul able to do this? How is Paul able to put his past behind him? You see, imagine you were in his shoes just for a moment. You had been there, nodding your approval when Stephen is killed. You're actively going out to destroy the church. How would you feel if suddenly Jesus met with you? And suddenly you realize what you've done in the past. How how could I have done that? How could I have been there watching that man being killed? When Jesus really is real. Really is alive. How could I do that? I want you to see as Paul clearly regrets what he did. But he doesn't let it paralyze him. He doesn't let it hold him back. Why is this? Well, because Paul knows the power of the gospel. He knows the power of the gospel. You see, Paul could have had all the counseling in the world, but it would not have got to the root of the problem for Paul. And in our lives, with things we have done in the past, what's going to truly allow us to move on in our lives, in our Christian life? It's the power of the gospel. That's the secret. 
And it's no secret at all. You see, Paul says in verse 10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. You see, the fact is that we all have a past. We all have skeletons in our cupboard. And if we don't have a whole skeleton, at least we've got a few bones there, don't we? We all have regrets in our life, small, medium, or large. We're all sinners who need God's grace. And what has Paul just been speaking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? He's been speaking about the gospel, that Christ died, and then he rose again on the third day. It's the heart of the gospel. It's of first importance. Now, why is that so important? Because if we truly want to know forgiveness, if we truly want to know freedom from our past, then only Jesus can give that to us. Only Jesus. And Paul understands this. He understands that when he met with Jesus on the Damascus Road, there was God's grace. He didn't deserve it. None of us do either. But God in love reached out to Paul and changed his life completely. One second he's, he's persecuting the church. The next moment he's part of the church. What a change. It's amazing, isn't it? And in verse 10, Paul understands that God has been gracious to him. He can't change the past. He can't change his past. But he knows that God's grace, undeserved grace, has changed him and brought him from a place of death to a place of life. A place down in the valley to a place on the mountaintop. Now, who does this apply to us here today? Well, maybe you come to worship today and you think that God doesn't care for you. You ever feel that in your life? You know, God cares for other people. He doesn't care for me. He doesn't know what I'm going through. I'm going through a really tough time. He doesn't care for me. Or maybe you just think that you've got too much in your past. You're too far away from God that he can never forgive you. Or even if you acknowledge God's forgiveness, you find you can't forgive yourself. That sometimes happens too. But I want to say to you today, God is a God who delights in bringing forgiveness. He delights in it. It's like the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? What does the prodigal son do? He goes off the rails. He's partying, spends all his money, ends up destitute. But where's the father? He's waiting, just waiting, longing, looking out. What does it say in that story? It's a magnificent part in that story. When it says this father, he's probably an old man, very undignified in that culture to run as an old man. But it says when the prodigal son is making his way home, there's the father running, running towards his son. What a wonderful picture. That's God for you. He's longing to forgive you. He delights in bringing forgiveness. You see, God delights in calling the unlikely. And maybe as you come here to this place today, you're pretty unlikely. 
Well, God delights in saying to you, I want you to be part of my family. You might have regrets in the past, things you're ashamed of, but God can conquer all of that, and he has done so. He's done it already. How has he done it? He's done it on the cross through Jesus. So what I want to say to you today is Jesus is waiting for you to come to him. He's knocking. Will you answer his call? And maybe you are a Christian here today. Maybe you have heard the the call of, of God in your life, but you're still struggling. You're still on that valley floor and you're still struggling with things in your past that you regret. But I want to say to you today, look at Paul. See how he acknowledges his past, but he's able to move on. How does he do that? Because he understands the power of the cross. The power of the cross to to forgive his past sins, to wipe the slate clean, and to bring him life and hope. You see, he doesn't focus on himself. He says it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. You see, by the grace of God, You are what you are. Warts and all, you are what you are. There's no point in brooding over the past because you can't change it. Instead, trust the God who can redeem it. So lay your burden down. Lay your past down. Lay your regrets down at the foot of the cross. Get rid of all those things that are keeping you down in the valley. What does Isaiah say in Isaiah chapter 40? The Lord gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak, and those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Do you believe that this morning? That God has it covered. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to come to him. And when you come to him, he will strengthen you and you'll soar on wings like an eagle. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we come honestly, as we truly are. And we ask for forgiveness for those times that we try to put on a face, those times we try to say that things are okay, when we know truly inside that they're not. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be honest before you, because you know us. You know us intimately. You know what we've done in the past. You know how the past has affected us. But Lord God, we thank you for the truth that we find in the gospel. That the whole reason you sent Jesus into the world is because the world was dark and the world was broken. And the world needed forgiveness and hope. And we thank you that Jesus brings hope. He brings forgiveness. He brings a fresh start. 
Lord God, as we come to you this day, perhaps we are affected by what's happened in the past. And we don't want to downplay that. But Lord God, if it's keeping us down in the valley, spiritually, we pray that as we look at the cross, as Paul did, that we would understand that at that cross, there is complete forgiveness of our sin, past, present, and future. That we are completely made clean in your sight. That we are covered by the righteousness of Christ. And therefore we have no reason to fear. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you can call the most unlikely. And Father, as we're gathered here this morning, perhaps there are some of us who who have been called by God, who are a believer in Christ. And we look back and we think we're the most unlikely person, and yet you've called us. Father, help us to rejoice in you, to rejoice at your amazing grace, and to be filled with your love. So, Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this day. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.